<laughs> Connect. There it is. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Coming to you as always from deep within the outer rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and joining me today is uh, Mr. Will, and I cannot, uh, Man- Mag- Magalio? <laughs> Magalio, yes, it's Magalio. <laughs> Magalio. Or you could just call me Darth uh, Tuba. I'm good that way. Uh, Darth, Tuba. Normal, um, <laughs> Darth Tuba, yes, the <laughs> famous Darth Tuba. Um, as you can see, Rudy is not able to be here today. Um, oh, a very pretty uh, R2-D2, or C-3PO you got there. Cool. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, he wasn't able to make it today. I uh, just, we're not going to, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Where was I? Sorry. I lost my track. So we are going to be continuing today our look through of the Star Wars movies. And oh, before we get started, uh, how are you today, Will? Well, I'm very good. Uh, happy to uh, help in, you know come in and uh, give you a hand with the with your uh, podcast episode today. And uh, I'm currently uh, actually uh, on vacation. <laughs> So, traveling. Uh, I don't want to say exactly where, but I will show, shout out a hint and just say um, I'm not too far from the planet of Batu. If you want to go with uh, that, anybody who knows that probably know. Ooh. Got a probably a fifty-fifty shot at guessing which where where I am, but um, and that's what I'm doing right now. And uh, happy to you know we're kind of hunkering down for the night, so I'm happy to be able to come in and talk Star Wars and talk. Uh, well, the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. I, yes. So, so, yes. So before we get started, there's a little bit of news that's come out recently that I just wanted to get your kind of quick thoughts on. So it is reported that Zack Snyder uh, had written a, a Star Wars treatment that he filmed. And that has now been picked by Netflix. And Netflix is supposedly going to be working on this new movie. Um, Obviously, it's not going to be Star Wars because Disney and Lucasfilm own the rights. Right. Um, But it's going to be something similar. Um, First of all, what are your thoughts on the idea of someone like a Zack Snyder doing a Star Wars movie? Um. Wow. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I would say that, well, first of all, you know, I, I've never been one to, uh, personally, this is just my own personal thing, I've never been one to, to talk about the Star Wars we could have had when, when it comes to any writer or director mm-hmm. or producer. You know, I, I, I'm more about, let's talk about the Star Wars that is or the Star Wars that, was, that we definitely will be getting. Right. Um, so as far as Zack Snyder is, as a, as a you know, a content creator, if you will, uh, particularly in the area of DC. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed his work. I, I felt, I never felt a connection to it in the same way that I do Star Wars. I don't really hold mm-hmm. Zack Snyder responsible for that, uh, per se. I just never really was into DC. I mean, I enjoy DC, but I was, you know, I'm a little bit of an older generation. My DC, I love some of these new things that come out, these new memes. My DC was the Adam West Batman, the Christopher Reeve Superman, and the Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, which I know is in a lot of ways campy, old fashioned. And I get that. Uh, I have nothing against the new Superman, you know, Ben Affleck, the new uh, Batman and and Henry Cavill and everything. I've enjoyed the the film. I haven't seen the Snyder Cut yet. I I hear it's epic. um, Yeah. And I will get to that eventually. Um, So, no, I mean, I'd be curious uh, to see what the treatment is. I'd be very curious. I might want to see what that. Netflix production is and see if I can somehow put a put yeah. a, a Star Wars spin on it. Um, yeah, personally, it, it doesn't phase me either way that Zack yeah. Snyder was going to do something and it didn't happen. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see like how close they are. You know, are we going to get something like here's a Dark Vader? Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. 
is it is it like is everything just kind of placed in there and you ob- is it obvious oh that's supposed to be this character that's supposed to be that character yeah but uh, we will i guess we'll or have- is it like i'm like i mean at the same time i think the whole the whole storyline of ragtag bunch of rebels takes on an evil evil power you know trying that's trying to rule the world or rule the galaxy or whatever that's that's a story that's as old as time right i mean yeah. so and and again are you talking about you know mythology you're talking about you know, yeah joseph campbell hero with a thousand faces i mean that's who's to say that isn't something that we're gonna you know of course we're gonna continue seeing that and we do continue to see that from everything that comes out from lord of the rings of course to yeah. pirates of the caribbean you know there's all sorts yeah. of different things that come around so but we will see we will see what happens yeah be curious so, we continue our look through the all of the Star Wars movies we've started from Episode One, gone all the way now in chronological, canological order. I should say, not chronological order, like canological that. order. Canological. All right. Very from, good. Um, canalog. Yeah, through the can as they would have as they would have taken place in the actual Star Wars universe. Right. Starting with Episode One, we are now at Episode. The Empire Strikes Back. So, for those of you who do not remember or may be new here, uh, the way we're doing this is we're looking at it from the aspect of the acting, the directing, the writing, that is the dialogue, and the storytelling. Uh, It is 30 points for acting, 30 points for directing, 24 writing, and 24 storytelling. Um, I will keep score. So last week's, uh, when we did a new hoop, that was our highest rated show or movie that we did at a 90. Um, it was a two, it was a 197, I believe it was almost a perfect score. It was wow. just a few away from it being a perfect score. Okay. Um, so yeah. Um, just a quick, you know, what did you, what, when you hear A New Hope in Star Wars, what do you think as far as, a, you know, a overall movie as far as the quality? Okay. I would say that A New Hope, and again, speaking from a, from solely from a quality film, as when you look at it from a film perspective, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like when you talk about story, you talk about direction, you talk about acting, you talk about um, production quality, the whole bit. I find the whole thing to be um, uh, one of the best films ever made. I, I, I feel that mm-hmm. way. Uh, I feel that yeah. it transcends, you know, even to the, to, and, to that, and, and again, also when we talk about um, you know, the ways movies are made now. You know, then and yeah. how it, you know, there was like before Star Wars and then after Star Wars. And yes, it's still, exactly. It's still in a lot of ways holding records and holding uh, a lot of that. So it's so hard to say um, anything but say that it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the only thing about I, it my, that... my mom said. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Your mom said what? Oh, I was going to say, we watched it a few years ago, uh, leading up for uh, the release of episode seven. We get caught up on the movies before we went in to see uh, Force Awakens. And after we got done watching, after we got done watching New Hope, my mom, I remember my mom made the comment, it's like, I forgot what a fun movie that was. And I think to me, that encapsulates a new hope. It's a fun movie. It's yes. Um, it's it's fun. It's just a fun yeah. movie. It still holds up. It still holds the test of time. Um, it, and it, that's the question. I, oh, go ahead. You know, just we we'll just say that you were. It was fun. It's like, you know, it's funny that I'm saying this, being on, and you know, outside of a uh, of a potential, you know, theme park area. Uh, it's like being on a ride. It's like being yeah. on a roller coaster ride where there's moments in it that not, and, and I don't mean that just in a figurative sense. It's literally like you're being on a ride. I mean, think about this, the trench run. I mean, mm-hmm. how many of oh. us as children just, you know, 
dreamed and wished we could be in that ship while it happened. And they gave us the feeling as if we were. So, you know, yeah. that alone, it's one scene, but there's so many other moments in it. And if I were to say anything, and I think I mentioned this because I also, you know, when I did the Rogue One episode with you, if I were to say anything, if I had to give one piece of constructive criticism to the film, and it would be honestly the most minor thing you could imagine, and that was basically hairstyles. Yeah. Hairstyles were very dated. Not the costumes, not the look of the sets or the or the planets or the production design. Nothing of that. But all that's time, mm-hmm. but the hairstyles, pure mm-hmm. mid late seventies. I mean, those imperial officers, oh, yeah. you know, with those with those sideburns. I mean, yeah, mutton chops. I mean, it was just. But other than that, they just. They nailed, they nailed like a timeless movie that you can watch. I mean, all right, some would argue that it's a little slower pace mm. than today. And we'll talk more about that now that we, when we get into Empire Strikes Back. But oh um, yeah. And that's yeah, that's the one thing pacing. I wanted to talk yeah. about with that. Pacing is a little different. Okay. But that's also just yeah. a, a reflection of the times of there we are today. Exactly. Well, I said that even before we when we first started doing this, um, that w- when we when we look at the movies, when we rate the movies and how good I said, don't look at them. Don't rate them based on what a movie is like today, base it on what the movies were like at the time. So, cause you can't like acting styles change, directing oh, yeah. styles change, everything, you know, everything changed to the demand. So you can't take a move. There's very few movies that you could take that were made in the seventies and eighties and make them exactly as they were back right. then today you know right. there's there's maybe a few but there's very very just because like i said acting styles change you know correct what's what's what was defined to be you know doing stuff like that but uh that being said let's get right into the empire strikes back now here's yeah. my question that we're going to be looking at and discussing as we go forward much like we did with new hope most people consider most most people consider Empire to be the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. Would you agree that if you were to ask somebody just a off just a fan, what is the best Star Wars movie of all time? That nine times out of ten, they would say Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie. Oh, uh, would would, I, would would do I agree that a lot of people would say that? Yeah. Yes, I would agree with you wholeheartedly that a lot of people would say that. Um, I personally am of the opinion that it is one of it is the greatest sequel of all times. Oh, oh, and yeah, I think that's. I would, and I would also say it was the greatest franchise starter of all times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you have that first movie, and it knocked out of the park, right? Home run, and then that's you know how sequels mm-hmm. work, with the exception of maybe godfather part two for those for those movie buffs there haven't been there was never a second movie you know son of kong you know son of godzilla or whatever there was never a second movie in the in that group that was ever nearly yeah. successful they either went completely bonkers and did something stupid that nobody liked or understood or they just did a carbon copy of the first film and yeah empire strikes back case they totally did something way revolutionary and different and basically told the second act of a three act play. And uh, as a result, um, it is, yeah, I would, I would say it is the greatest sequel. Um, I would say it's the greatest franchise starter. I would say it's almost the greatest movie. That's my own personal opinion. <laughs> I feel like without the setup at star Wars gave us, we would not be yeah. able to, um, have that, yeah. Have the, the the Empire Strikes Back. So yeah, I, but it was, yeah. But I do get what people say. It's the greatest movie of the of the whole yeah. series. Yeah, I, I think it was interesting what you said about pacing because that was one thing that's been going through my mind is the difference in pacing between um, A New Hope and Empire. And mm-hmm. while the pacing may not be as fast as it was, as you know, in a New Hope, as a lot of movies are today, I do think it was interesting that you have very little time where there's not something happening in um, A New Hope. 
you know, I think the only like really downtime where you have enough time to get some real character development is with Luke at the beginning. And it's very little. There's always something. It's not necessarily that it's fast paced, but there's always something happening. There's always going from point A to point B to point A to point B. And it just boom, 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 boom. So you don't get a lot of time for to really sit down. I mean, a good example of this is right after the death of Obi-Wan. You have just a few seconds where Luke is in the Falcon and says, I can't he's gone. And then boom, they're off shooting TIE fighters. That yeah. goes right into, you know, with Empire, you had that time. You had a little bit more time where you got a little bit more character development. You had that time in in Bay where after, you know, after he's been in the bank back to tank for a while, healed up. You have the time of the Falcon with Luke and Leia. You have these little bits of time. You have time on Dagobah where, yes, it's training, but it's a little bit more character development. So I think there was a lot more character building in Empire than in uh, the one. And it's not a negative for me, but I think if anybody gets it, gives it a negative, that was the slow one. Yeah, was... I would definitely, yeah, I definitely would say some people saying that. And, you know, think about Dagobah, you know, the whole Swamp Planet scene where he's just yeah. having this interaction with Yoda, which had a little comic element at first. But then it's the mm -hmm. minute, you know, the, the switch is turned and we find out the reveal that Yoda is actually Yoda. You know, then it becomes this very um, kind of thought provoking uh, you know, push and pull about what are going to, is, is he going to train him? Is he not? And then he does train him, but as he's training him, you know, and questions come up like how long have they been there? How long has he been training? And, yeah. you know, is he working this out, working that out? Can he get this X-wing out? No, we can't. Oh, Yoda can. Then he goes into the cave or, you know, I don't know this order, but he goes into the cave, which is a really mysterious, almost, yeah. almost like a, um, kind of an insidious kind of almost like psychological thriller. This moments in this film that, have this slow pace that is almost an uncomfortable, make it make you feel uncomfortable. And he, he climbs into that cave. Is that people like laugh like, when they call it a cave? It's not a cave. He went into a pit. He like lowered himself yeah. into this dark and dingy swamp pit, you know. And 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 of course, you know, made even more terrifying by John Williams' amazing score. And as you might remember from my last visit with you, I said that. You know, I always, with all of your um, um, criteria, I can't leave music out. And I will say, yeah, I can't, I cannot say without any, I will say without any hesitation that while I don't consider it the absolute greatest Star Wars movie, that falls to me for to a new hope, but only by only edging it out a little. That's just my own opinion. Yeah. It is the greatest John Williams score. Not only the, oh, John, yeah. not only Star Wars score. I believe it's his greatest score, period. Because think well, about isn't it, isn't it the about, one that gave us the Imperial March? Yes, no, but it gave us the Imperial March. It gave us Yoda's theme. Yeah. It gave us Han and Leia. It gave us the asteroid mm -hmm. field. It it built on the Force theme. It built on the Star Wars theme. Putting Star Wars in minor, which is not something we heard too much of. You know the main the main mm -hmm. title. It gave us, um, and then not to mention all of this development upon all of those themes that just furthered the story and allowed oh. and, and and what was funny the irony is and if you want to get more information well i listen to uh david w collins's um sound the soundtrack show yeah. and he talks about the empire strikes back and how there was tons if you watch if you get the soundtrack there is literally tracks and tracks and tracks of music that they ended up not using that they ended up favoring silence instead of his music which was a good call and you know in most people's opinion they watch it but it's just you know but there's still so much glorious beautiful music that enhances the story and then all this other music that was supposed to that they didn't they chose not to which thereby in that decision further enhanced it but it's still his greatest score so sorry i digress yeah. <laughs> but i gotta get that well <laughs> that's perfectly fine let's get straight into the acting this and I think this is interesting because in many ways this is the first time for these guys, especially guys like Mark Hamill, 
not to have, I think, in a new hope you had some, you had, you had a couple of big heavy hitters there with uh, Sir Alec Guinness and um, Tarkin. Um, this one, they're on their own. And this one, they're on their own. And like I said before, you know, I, I think Carrie Fisher came from a movie background. So her mom being Debbie Riddle. So she had, she kind of knew um, Harrison Ford. This wasn't his first rodeo. I think, I can't remember if he, if he did Blade Runner before or after Star Wars. Uh, I think it was after. After. But he'd been in movies before, he'd been, you know, pretty good, pretty, you know, big movies before. Not the size of Star Wars, but I know he'd done... He was trying. Uh, he, he had not done his 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 movie background. You know, he'd done obviously uh, Bob Alpha in American Graffiti, and he had been in a yeah. bunch of other smaller smaller bit roles. Star Wars yeah. really put him on the map. I don't believe yeah. he really found his niche though until um, he got um, Indiana Jones, the character of Indiana yeah. Jones. He was able to yeah. kind of break off into it. I will say. One of my absolute favorite movies that no one else likes, or maybe many have never even heard of, I think came out in 1979 with Harrison mm. Ford playing a cowboy who ends up helping a Jewish rabbi get across oh. the country. It's called Frisco Kid. Jewish rabbi was played by Gene Wilder. Honestly, oh. if you haven't seen it, watch the movie. It's 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 you know obviously late 70s mm. kind of goofy comedy, almost like an Apple Dumpling Gang kind of goofy comedy type thing. Okay. But such okay. a great thing to see him trying to break into the lead actor, you know, comedic actor yeah. in this case, um, yeah. trying to do that and playing alongside Gene Wilder, who just stole the show. You know, Harrison My... Ford can only, play, can only play straight man to yeah. Gene Wilder. But just a great, um, great movie. But that's really it. It wasn't until yeah. 81 that I remember really him in. My favorite uh, hair out like Indiana Jones. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, um, once he gets into, you know, the Jack Ryan movies and stuff like that, he was great in those. But yeah. before that, the one that I like pre-Star Wars, one of his was Force 10 from Navarone. Oh, yes, that's true. That's true. But that was yeah, more of an ensemble. Was, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there was a bunch of people in that. But yes, you're right. Yeah, Absolutely. that was a good one. Uh, so, but yeah, I think, I mean, Especially Mark, Mark, this was Mark's first time kind of swimming alone. I mean, I know that um, Alec Guinness was there for like a couple of scene, you know, scenes yes. at the near the near the end, but um, or at least with the force part. Um, but for the most part, you know, he was on his own. How do you yeah. think the acting? And this is also another thing. We'll get this when we get to directing. This was the first movie in the Star Wars movie not to be directed by George Lucas. And as much Lucas as I love did George, not... as much as I love George Lucas, and I do love him as a as the maker, the creator of all things Star Wars and the universe that he built. Um, as far as his directing was concerned, um, let's just say he was not kind to actors in the sense yeah. that he didn't give them a lot of direction. You know, and he's yeah. notoriously famous. For loving animation. In fact, he was. And there's, a, there's a great uh, interview with Ron Howard, and he said when he was on the set of American Graffiti, he told him, you know, oh, the best thing you got to do is get into when you want to get into act, directing, go with, get into the animation department, do everything with animation. Ron, Ron Howard's telling the story, and he's saying because then you don't have to deal with the actors. That's the, you just focus on the animation. And here's Ron Howard as an actor in American Graffiti, you know, just getting started, you know, getting in information from him, like, wow, he doesn't really like to work with actors, you know, but uh, yeah, and that was, it's yeah. not that he didn't yeah. like actors, it was just, here it is, you know, here's a script, I wrote he's, it, do it. And, he's a visual storyteller. Exactly, everything is visual, and that's why so much and even, it, even, yeah, you know, all the prequels had yeah. so much animation in it, but he knew um, well enough that, you know, he wanted, he brought in a, a, a person, a powerhouse, um, who even though did not do big budget epic productions uh, up until you know maybe, maybe after the fact, but Irving Kirshner, who mm -hmm. many considered the greatest director of any any director that's done a Star Wars film, uh, just because of the subtle nuance that he was able to add to it when you can actually get in there 
and and pull some different things out of the actors. And hmm. back to Mark Hamill for a second. Uh, if I'm going to give this a perfect score when it comes to acting, um, I know we haven't get yet. You haven't asked that yet, but I'm going to. And I put that mainly on Mark Hamill because not only did he have to grow hmm. as a character and grow from the whiny teenager on Tatooine into something more, but he had to emote against nothing uh, in a room with a bunch of stagehands and a swamp and Frank Oz's hand. And he had to emote against against a a Muppet. And he did it. And the only reason that people love Yoda as much as they love Yoda is because of how Mark Hamill was able to react, both Mm -hmm. in annoyance and anger and joy and in laughter, whatever the emotion was. That was Mark Hamill doing that. And boy, was that a tricky thing. So... But um, and, yeah. and and so he carried it, you know, he really did. Um, mm-hmm. I also got to give a lot up for James Earl Jones for the vocal mm. performance of Darth Vader, particularly in the, the climactic scene. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. And while you're talking about that, I have to give it up. And we I didn't mention this last week. Uh, David Prowse. Yes. As yes, the actual did. physical actor in the suit was amazing because without those visual cues, mm-hmm. you know, he added, yes, Jones would say, I was just special effects. Yeah. Um, I get when people would, you know, when people would talk about like David, you know, David Prowse was Vader. He was the man, he was yeah. the man that was actually emoting you know, and showing you knew not just with the voice, but you could tell even with his action, what Vader was feeling, whether he was angry, whether he was annoyed, just the way he carried himself, the way he turned, the way he, you know, reacted to th- you know, reacted to things. Um, and even, like I said, you know, James Earl Jones, giving us some of the best one-liners in, oh, uh, my, you know, yeah, I mean, apology accepted, Captain Nina. <laughs> there were... There were great moments. I mean, remember, Vader was nothing more than a goon, henchman, in the first oh, yeah. movie. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't really until the the this movie that we really got to understand that he yeah. was the guy in charge now, other than the Emperor, which we yeah. still haven't seen yet until the toward the towards the end of this movie. Yeah, and and on top of that, yeah, he's he's got you know a, a lot of emotion to have to show through a mask. You know, I mean, one of the first him, him and three and uh, Anthony Daniels as Sleepio among the first and Chewbacca and Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca and even Kenny Baker. I'll put him in there as R two. Um, were all yeah. the men behind the masks. You know, all the ones that oh yeah had to do this long before there was a Mandalorian. Um, oh, speaking of Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Jeremy Bullock, um, yes. still also yeah. being able to to emote. There's a lot of that happened in this in this particular film. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a credit to all of those that you know. It's we we separate. You know, we look at we see Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Harrison Ford. We don't necessarily do right. Chewbacca. It's just it's, it's not, not Peter Mayhew, Mayhew playing Chewbacca. It's just that's Chewbacca. Yeah. Um, Which and I, I think that's a credit. I've always yeah. tried really hard to. I I was excited. I never really went down that road. I was always interested in who played all of these characters. Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah. Were just as, they were my action figures, so I didn't just care about the, mm-hmm. the big three. I wanted everybody. You know, I wanted who who are all these people. But think about yeah. Chewbacca, like that that whole sequence when he's um, when they have to close the doors and Hoth base overnight, and Han's still out there, mm-hmm. and Luke's still out there, and there's Chewie. Just watching oh. the doors shut, you know, and then he lets out when it seems to hit. He lets out. Oh, out. heartbreaking! Oh, I that mean, is so heartbreaking. You know, and 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 again, I, you know, that's you know, you just you, you weep. And they do it. a good job, and even before that, um, when Han goes out, they do a good job of very quickly of showing that in the in the time period that's happened between the destruction of the Death Star to to, to now they've they've grown close you know they've yeah, become friends they're family now right. you know you know han going after him saying you know then i'll see you in hell 
yeah. line to go after to go after Luke. It was just you know, um, yeah. yeah so- and, and, and the relationship and the acting that the chemistry between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Oh. Um, well, that chemistry, you know, we find out later, you know, in, in, in more recent times that they had some practice uh, by the time it <laughs> back, came, came around. They were uh, a little old hat when it came to uh, having chemistry, let's just say. But, okay. um, <laughs> you know, but I will say that, uh, you know, in, in, in the moments as the movie was moving along, and we were getting into, you know, we had the long sets of training and we had the long bouts of um, banter between Han and the princess on the Falcon. And where do they end up? Cloud City. And who do they end up with? Billy D. Williams. Oh, yes. Now, cool. he, he is a... And in the galaxy. You know, and it's great because in such a way, uh, you, you can't tell where... I mean, nowadays, you, it's like this. Back then, yeah. you know, Billy D. Williams was an actor. He was a, he was a, he was a fairly successful actor. Uh, you know, he'd already had done Brian's song, and uh, that was where kind of his claim to fame at that point. Or Lady Sings the Blues. That was the other one, the Billy Ho- the Billy Holiday biopic. He uh, he was he was kind of established, and yeah. um, he came in there and he just brought his own flair, and it was it was very much well received. I thought it was fantastic. It was just. And it was right at that moment, you know, when things were just very tense everywhere. He kind of broke up the tension, even mm-hmm. though, and, you know, and he could have, and they could have made it a complete, um, you know, they could have gone with a total comic relief, uh, silly slapsticky kind of character, but instead they made this character truly important in someone who not only betrays his friend, and you know, in the minute like thirty seconds into their the scene. You want to know more about Han and Han and Lando, you know. You want mm-hmm. to know where did these two guys meet? How did they know each other? Why did he go walk in there saying you got a lot of guts and then hug him? What what was that whole story? You wanted to know yeah. that, and you were kind of yeah. half expecting him to throw Han under the bus, and he did. But then he turned it around again. I mean, he I, did that yeah. all in the span of like thirty five minutes, you know. You go, you go yeah. from like loving the guy to hating the guy to loving the guy again. So um, that's th- it takes a lot to make and to make an audience do that to get people mm-hmm. around and being up behind you. So all right. Anyway, well, kudos. King, for is this out of what is it out of again? Thirty. Burns scores a thirty. 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 Give acting to thirty without even a hesitation. Right. I, and I, I mean, I think. I mean, I'm even going as far as like the the way that the, you know the the bit roles and the supporting roles, like General Riken and 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 all of the the the, the you know the characters around, like Boba Fett. Even I mean, it was a character mm-hmm. that had no lines, basically. You know, but you know, again, part of that I think was the costume. Yeah. I give you that, but there was more to it than just that. But and the only the only char- the only Imperial Admiral to survive. Uh, oh. Yes, Admiral Piet. Right. Admiral Piet, and General Veers was amazing. And uh, you know, an actor who's you know yeah. he's the trifecta. He was a he was an Empire. He was a Star Wars villain. He was an Indiana Jones villain, and he was a Bond villain. You know, um, you know he was the uh, what is now of course the actor's name is escaping me. Uh, General Veers. He was Walter Donovan, and uh, yeah, and uh, I think it was okay. I always mix it up. There's Damien Glover and Savian Glover. <laughs> is it Savian? My wife is here. Savian, uh, that, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's Damien Glover. I think it is. It's Damien Glover. Uh, is the name of the actor, and he's he was he was a villain in For Your Eyes Only, the one of Roger Moore James Bond film flicks. He was Walter Donovan in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and mm-hmm. he just. Of course, I had the pleasure of meeting him at a Star Wars celebration. He's the nicest guy in the world, you know, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as yeah, General Veers, and he did not technically die. He died in a deleted scene, but he didn't die in, in there. So mm-hmm. he might have been able to come back. He but yes, back to, you know, uh, Admiral Piet, uh, another great actor, great British actor. Mm-hmm. And Admiral Ozzel, uh, 
another great one. I mean, all the Imperial officers just yeah oozing with uh, with you know propriety and villainy. It's, it was it was great. So. Yeah. Um, I give for it a, me a thirty. Um, there you go. <laughs> you threw the gauntlet. Yeah, and I normally don't like the wars. Me neither. Um, just because I, I, but I'm gonna have to agree with you on this one. Thirty, perfect score. So mm-hmm. now let's go to directing. Um, <laughs> I just a completely differently directed movie from A New Hope. Um, yeah, you tell you can. Oh, this is a different. This is a different movie. I think part of that is they had a little bit bigger of a budget. They were able. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing people a lot of times forget is that Star Wars, for all intents and purposes, was a low budget movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Even for its time, even for its time, Star Wars was a low budget movie. Um, but now that they'd had the success, Empire, the the budget was raised a little bit more. They had a little bit more more stuff to play with. Um, but they were but, still, but they were still cutting corners that in, way, in yeah. ways that you wouldn't know with the, with the cardboard cutouts of ships in the back of the Hoth base. Where they only had to build one snowspeeder or maybe two, and they only had to build, you know, like they only had one or two ships in the scene, and everything else was either a painted backdrop or cardboard cutouts of ships, ways mm-hmm. to save money. So you know that was they still had a better budget, but they still did what they needed to do. Yeah. And um, but yeah, as far as the directing is concerned, you know, um, I think as I mentioned, Irving Kirshner was definitely more nuanced director. He definitely know knew how to work with actors and pull out performances with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, and again, uh, it's one of those things where when I get back to John Williams for a minute, where it was something, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was John uh, Irving Kirshner who um, made these decisions or if it was ultimately George Lucas or if it was the editors. Um, but you know, the, the decision somewhere along the line to include music, take music out to help enhance the scene um, even just having that conversation, it was an important thing. And I think um, I put a lot of that on Irving Kirshner. I do think George Lucas deserves some credit um, mm-hmm. as that as a as a behind the scenes director, because he never really let let go of anything. You know what I mean? He was always yeah. there. And you and you all oh, yeah. you have to do is look at the making of documentaries that have come out all these years and you see him there. And, you know, most producers mm-hmm. don't do that, you know, and he and he was there. So uh, oh, yeah. whether he, I, I think and that makes a lot sense. More I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, Star Wars was his. Yeah. Ba- that makes sense. You know, Star Wars yeah. is his baby. I think he was more hands on with Return of the Jedi, which we get. You know, if we get to it, the next one. But um, yeah. But uh, but you know, I think Ir- he he let Irving Kirshner do more of the, the subtle nuances, like I keep saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and and allowing the uh, and you know there was a lot of uh, collaboration with the actors. We all know about the "I love you, I know" story. That, oh, yes, you know there were different ways of doing that, and Harrison Ford contributed that. So uh, you know, just a, a fantastic. But even then, he put a lot of that on the director to be able to, uh, you know, exercise their own vision, but let other people contribute to it. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Excuse me. Sorry. Yep, okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I think we talked, I mean, I think we, so with that being, yeah, with that being said, what would you give the directing for? Directing out of 30? Yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a 29. And the only reason it's not a 30 no, only reason it's not a 30 is that I do feel that some of the direction should be shared with George Lucas. And well, okay. I, guess, I guess that doesn't really matter, though, because it's still a good it was still, a, you know, a, a beautifully directed film, whether, you know, who gets credit for it doesn't really change the fact that it's directing. So I'm going to change my score. Make yeah. it a 30. 
Okay. I, I'm going perfect. Yeah, I am. I am. I just, <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm, I didn't, I just feel that, and I know I said that it's going it, to, you know, I didn't get a chance to score um, A New Hope. And I a know I hope. said that New Hope is my yeah. favorite movie, but I'm also taking it from a different vantage point. Like I'm talking about the movie itself. Um, and the movie is, is a very yeah. well put together film. And I gotta give, and that's due yeah. in no small part yeah. to all of the scores you are, or all of the criteria you have here: directing and acting. And then we'll talk about the the other one in a minute. So, so I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm going with thirty. <sighs> well, that moves us on to the writing and the dialogue. What about your of... score? Wait, wait a minute, your uh, score, your score. Oh. I give it a 32. I'm with you. <laughs> you know, giving it. A, I think we're going to be pretty close on this one with most of them, I think. Yeah. Uh, so moving right, so on, now we're going to the of the show or the dialogue. Um, and I think this is one where obviously we all know Lucas is not known for writing a dialogue guy um you know there's the famous line where harrison ford said and i'm paraphrasing you can write this crap yeah. um you know yep yeah. for yeah for not being a dialogue guy um does the fact that this wasn't directed by george do you still see that aspect in this movie or is this when you can say like yeah you can still see but i can see that there's some other people that were behind the scenes working to make this movie a little bit more palatable as far as dialogue went well yes because i do think that there's a there's a little more palatable dialogue you do have that you did have uh well you had lee brackett and in on some of it mm-hmm. or she sadly passed away and then um what about um uh, Lawrence Kasdan, he came in on this one as well. Yeah. So yeah. So, so you had a pretty strong writing team this time, uh, and and all and although uh, I'm not exactly sure how much of that was contributed to the actual screenplay, I do feel that I mean you know you've got some unique things here. Let's talk about um, from, from dialogue perspective. You've got the Yoda speak. You know you've got this kind of inverted text. Mm-hmm inverted uh wording which while on the one hand could say you know people make fun of it now i think it's become its kind of own meme meme uh where people make fun of it but i also think that it was very unique and original in, at its time and i do think that you know the character was able to get the point across just as effectively if not more so because of that so i think that that actually lends itself to yeah. a, a unique thing um, but as far as, you know, and again, not, you know, taking, not taking into account pacing, um, but I don't really think the dialogue had anything to do with that. Uh, I, I do think that we had a little bit more, um, with the emperor, uh, and a little bit more with Vader. There was, a, you know, we were tiptoeing into the, you know, mustache twirling, uh, kind of villainous tropes. Um, he could destroy us, you know, and, and, and I don't know if he could be turned to become a great asset. I don't know that some of the dialogue I felt was just getting on to the over the top. Didn't really feel that. Yeah. A new hope. I felt like a new hope was was really just, you know, you had Tarkin just talking about the power of the weapon. There was very little mention of the mm-hmm. emperor. And then in a little in a you know, little bit about the force, but then when you got into this, you were you were you were really delving more into it, um, for better or for worse, and not really worse. I just mean it in the sense yeah. that um, we're getting a little over the top um, with some of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, least, I, can, I can definitely I saw see that, that. From, from the from the Empire Vader Emperor standpoint. Maybe a little bit with Yoda, yeah. but I think Yoda made it fun and charming with his. Um, backwards i i i i think that was one of the one of the uh the knocks that people have have had about you know with the star wars dialogue i think even carrie fisher made a comment like no one talks like 
<laughs> of course. You know, the way they talk in the start like that. But you can get away with that with Yoda because, well, Yoda's an alien. Yoda right. is a this. So you can kind of get away with it with with you yep. know with Yoda, but some of the other other ways in the speaking is almost Shakespearean, but not quite Shakespearean speak that they do, especially when you're getting into the the Empire and the you know, it's yeah nobody speaks like that on the actors' ad it, is that because it's such an unnatural way to speak that it can come off sometimes as not jilted, but very stunt. You know, the dialogue can come off as being corny and hokey. But then again, you also have to look at what George Lucas's influences were. They right. were the old serials. Flash. Um, the 19... Flash Gordon. Uh, and the, the, yeah. in, in, in many ways, this very vaudeville not vaudeville but this... Um, Mellow, melodrama type of acting yeah. where you have the mustache twirling villain you you know um but yeah so it yeah so what would you give the uh, the writing slash dialogue for out of what what's that out of that still out of 30 is out of a 20 now. out of 20 um 19 yeah i would give it a 19 19 for what not not a perfect score just for what i was saying um you know for keeping it in depth for keeping it in solid numbers you know round, rounded up numbers or down numbers i would say 19 if i could go with decimals yeah. probably 19.5 but we won't do that <laughs> we'll keep right. it at 19. i'm gonna give it a 18 uh kind of the same thing that you said you know um i definitely think it's you know when we're talking about comparing it to the prequels and now I think it's definitely you know improved quite you know obviously you know, yeah, say improved this movie was made years before the yeah. uh, uh the sequels were the sequel or the prequel trilogies were but I do think it definitely had you know a little bit better dialogue but that's later uh, uh, it finally we have I think is the coup de grace for this movie, the story. Um, like you said it before, probably the best sequel of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They set up everything perfectly from how to set up a sequel, how to set up a franchise. Yep. I mean, probably the greatest cliffhanger ending of all time. And, and, and kids listening... You know, there was no like six months till the next movie came out. There was no one year till the next movie came out. It there was, was what was three, it? Three years? Five? Three or five three years? Three years and no internet yeah. in between. Three years with nothing but Starlog magazine articles. You know, and the story of Empire Strikes Back on record that you could listen to, and maybe yeah. if you had really rich friends that owned a five thousand dollar VCR at that time. You could get uh, a bootleg copy of Empire Strikes Back and from the movie theater and, and rewatch it, but it was such a different time that it was so. Uh, you know, I, I'll never forget. I was I'd seen it at my friend's tenth birthday party. I was ten when it came out. My friend turned ten. We went to the movies. We saw it. I'm watching the movie. I'm totally enthralled with it. Even, even though the pacing was. Today, we would consider it a little slow. At that time, it didn't phase me one bit that that movie was going on. I lost all track of time. And mm-hmm. when I saw you know, Han Solo going to Carbonite, and I saw Luke lose his hand, and kind of Vader kind of win the fight, and they just escaped by the, by the skin of their teeth. And I see them at the med bay. Uh, you know, Luke's got his hand back. Han, or Lando and Chewie are going to take off to find Han. I'm thinking the movie, next scene, here we go. I didn't realize that the movie was ending. It was only yeah. as they were panning away with the ship, kind of going off in, in, you know, into space, and I hear the welling John Williams music. I go, "Uh oh, this feels like an ending." And then you see the yeah. directed by Kirshner, da, 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 and I went, "What?" I screamed in the theater. I did not, <laughs> un- I could not believe that that's where they left it. And I went, "I'm going to have to wait three years." 
It's like crazy. Oh. So I, I, it was the greatest cliffhanger of all times, and I and I yes, bar none. I mean, you know, and, and I was telling, I was talking to my wife about this tonight. You know, in in some ways, I, I have to compare it. You know, it, it, it's such an interesting comparison to take the and, and and it really is apples and oranges. But if you were to take the Empire Strikes Back and Avengers: Infinity War. And mm-hmm. I, I see them as a kind of similar kind of vibe. I mean, of course, you know, and, and I got to give credit to the MCU for, you know, the you know, amazing organization of 20 something movies, 20 plus movies that all led up to that one movie, you know, Infinity War. And, mm-hmm. and, and to see, stuff, you know, it wasn't it wasn't really um even in, in, in just a plain story, it wasn't set up like Empire Strikes Back. It was, it, you know, it was far more invested as a franchise by then, not to mention that it was a comic book first. So, you know, there's all this other stuff to consider. And, but and what I mean is, you knew at the end of that movie, oh my goodness, you know, they lost. It was a snap, the snap yeah. happened. And, and there was all this stuff left up in the air, all of this cliffhanger. But you only yeah. had a year. And you knew, you know, these were characters that were already ingrained in society. You know, mm-hmm. the, so, you, so even with that, you already knew that this is all going to work out for most of it. Yeah, it was just a matter of... might not More of a matter of, okay, are they going to be... You know, it, was more, it wasn't a matter of, okay, are they going to beat Thanos? It was like, okay, how are they going to beat Thanos? Because right. you knew they were. But, but, um, but when Empire Strikes Back, when Empire Strikes Back, this we were all new. These characters were new to us. So in 1980, hmm. when this was over, we we didn't know if Harrison Ford was going to come back. We didn't know if Han Solo was going to survive this. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> and there weren't. Yeah. You know, they had books. They had the comic books, which were okay. I mean, I followed through with the. I read the comic books, but I wasn't like a, you know, a, a huge comic man. So I don't. You know, a lot of them I don't recall, but. It was a it was a challenging cliffhanger to have to do, but I mean, if you were to offer some type of equivalency to people that go to see movies today, uh, and the kind of feeling you had leaving the theater, I would say Infinity War was yeah, uh, yeah that's a good that's a good comparison. Yeah. And they also heard, uh, I think it was George talk about this before with setting up this this thing for sequels. And for especially for for trilogies like this, where the first act you introduce the characters, and you kind of get a grand, you know, quick glimpse of okay, who these, who, this is who these people are. The second one, you put them in the worst possible situation. Again. that's what they did with Empire. They put these pe- these characters in the and, and then when we get to Return of the Jedi, everything gets re. Uh, resolved. Resolved. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, and so know, I was... call it right now. I mean, do you give the story? Do you give the story for this one a thirty? Uh, well, I want to just also just say, um, well, yes, I do. I do give it that, and I, okay. and I do. And again, I do want to again just reiterate. And I know I'm a broken record, but you know, ironically, as a musician, I'm glad to be a broken record uh, and have John Williams be mentioned as helping to push this story forward uh as i give yeah. him a, as the writing team as george lucas or lawrence kasdan or Lee Brackett or, or anybody else who and, and and with the way irving kirshner you know pushed the story forward with his direction i can't stress enough that you know john williams and you know what i'm going one step further uh and talk about ben burt you know and all the sounds that he did to help you know, really perpetuate this otherworldly kind of universe, you know, where none, nothing is what it, you know, it, 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 everything from the, everything from, of course, we know about Chewbacca's roars and, you know, uh, all the, the sounds of the lightsabers and everything, but, and how they came about. But even like the footsteps of the, of the Imperial officers on the Star Destroyers, I mean, they, every single sound had to be created. Every sound. There wasn't anything that was shot in you in you know that that they've used probably without having to either overdub mm-hmm. or do something because it just it was a, it was necessary when you 
when you make a film and you do this um, where it's completely on an, in another world, you have to create everything from scratch. So, you know, I, I just, I give that so much, this whole team so much credit um, and, and, and the real, real brazen choices. Like, like you said, putting everybody in the worst possible situations, um, putting the battle, the big climactic, huge um, epic battle in the beginning of the movie instead of the end, um, making the ending more of a psychological climax than a physical climax with lots of spaceships and everything else. So mm-hmm. really, yes. Um, uh, star story, uh, perfect score. Yeah. Perfect. Well, with that being said, I have added up our scores. I gave Empire Strikes Back a whopping score of 100 and eight and you gave it a score of 109 which gives it a total of 217 officially making it break all time okay uh, so yeah uh that was fun uh, next Great. week we'll be going over my personal favorite star wars movie uh return of the jedi and it has, of course, one of my favorite lines, the line that still gives me chills every time I hear it, Luke telling the telling the Emperor, I am like my father before me. Before me. I don't know yeah. what it is about that line that just gives me chills every time I hear Mark Hamill say it. Love yeah, that yeah. scene. Um, Absolutely. But uh, Return of the Jedi and asking the question, who truly was the Jedi that returned? Mm. Ah, yes. Oh, ooh, 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 good, good, good question. <laughs> but that, that's not getting that too much. Uh, nope, all right. Well, with that, uh, why don't you tell the people out there where they can find you? At- yeah. Okay. Thanks so much. I am available. I'm to Darth Tuba on YouTube. I have my own channel, Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing Show. And you can catch my episodes you just do a Darth Tuba as a search. You can catch episodes if you like. It's, it's mostly Star Wars collecting and, uh, and you know, organizing, collecting, and oh, unboxing and that kind of stuff. Uh, Wednesdays and Sundays are generally when it opens. Uh, we also have some uh, tours of Batu and Galaxy's Edge, which is something I'll be doing on and off over the next few uh, few weeks. As well, uh, you know, you can find me with Darth Tuba on Twitter and on Instagram, as well as Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing page on Facebook. So... Reach out to me. All right. As for, yes. As for us right here, you can find us each and every week right here in War of the Stars, of course. You can buy our email. Our email is warofthestars1 at gmail.com. Um, you can also, that is also our face, our Twitter account at War. Uh, let me. Hold on a second. I I wrong, but pretty sure it's War of the Stars one. Make sure, make sure we get our housekeeping in yeah. here. War of the Stars one at gmail.com is our email. That is also our Twitter handle. One, uh, you can get a hold of us on Facebook. Uh, the Facebook group is War of the Stars. Uh, our Twitter account, like I said, we do a lot of fun stuff on Twitter. A lot of fun. Uh, Little poll, uh, just just. Uh, we also have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash War of the. Not wearing it right now because it's being it's uh, in the wash. We have a merch now. Uh, the link is in the description. Is in Twitter Twitter account uh, right there. The the group we sell t-shirts uh, mugs totes you name it a lot of cool merch right there check it out good way to help the channel good way to help the show uh and that is about oh also you can live every wednesday on facebook live uh on get vocal if you have get vocal it's really cool really easy uh you just sign up but use your e- use your facebook email you're in uh, you can join the conversation here and talk with us and give your opinion. If you're not able to listen to us live, 
you can check us out pretty much anywhere anywhere that podcasts are heard. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on uh, Spotify, uh, you name it, Stitcher, uh, Anchor.fm, you name it, we're there. So check us out there. And that will do it for this week. As I said next at Return of the Jedi. Until then, remember, this isn't just my Star Wars. This isn't just your is our Star Wars. Until next week, may the Force be with you. Thanks, everyone.